Hello, everyone. I'm Wendy Myers of MyersDetox.com. Thank you so much for joining me today for the Myers Detox podcast. We have a great show for you. We have my friend Sterling Hill, and she's a genetics expert. I, I think she's a genetic savant, and she's going to be talking about learning your genetic susceptibilities and weaknesses to COVID-19. And her and I have been talking about this since December and exchanging notes and just trying to figure out what's going on and, you know, what is what is causing the severe symptoms and fatalities from COVID-19 and how to reduce the severity of symptoms and chances of dying from this virus. And so, uh, you know, Sterling has compiled all of her expertise and knowledge into developing an app it's called the COVID-19 app, and you can check that out at mthfrsupport.com. We're going to go into that app and how to get your genetics done and plug it into this app to learn if you have genes that predispose you to more severe symptoms and fatalities from COVID-19 and how to you know, reduce those symptoms, stop them dead in their tracks with all the supplements that Sterling is recommending today on the show. And so she's going to go over specific supplements and that you can take if you have specific genetic weaknesses or mutations that make you susceptible to COVID-19. So really, really interesting show today. And we also go into Sterling's story. She ended up contracting COVID-19, and she's going to talk about what that looked like, what she did to reduce her symptoms, because she was terrified. She just said, she told me if she got this virus that she was going to be dead, based on what she knew from her own health issues and genetic susceptibilities. Um, but because of the supplementation protocol she did, she really had, you know, uh, she had like a flu, she had flu symptoms and some GI symptoms, but she was, fared really, really well. And that's because of her supplements that she took. And so we're going to go into those and much more on the show today. Very interesting. I know you guys listening are concerned about heavy metal toxicity and heavy metals dramatically impact immunity. They reduce the functioning and the T cells and macrophages of your immune system. Really important to be thinking about detoxification if you're wanting to have the strongest immune system possible. And so I created a quiz. It's, you can take it at heavymetalsquiz.com. And taking this two-minute quiz will help to discern your body burden of toxins, your relative levels of toxins in your body. And then after you take the quiz and get your results, you get a free video series that answers everyone's frequently asked questions when it comes to detox. Where do I start? Where do I begin? What testing do I do? How can I be helped with detoxification and what that all means? So go take the quiz. It takes two seconds at heavymetalsquiz.com. Our guest today, Sterling Hill, founded mthfrsupport.com over 10 years ago after falling ill and allopathic medicine failed her. Since then, she started building genetic apps that show where people may have the need for extra supplement support, and she's processed over 70,000 genetic reports thus far. Sterling has devoted her life to research how environmental toxins impact DNA as well, 
and she was recently awarded commendation from the Louisiana Senate for defending the constitutional rights for citizens to make their own fully informed medical decisions and defending the health of America's children. Sterling has been involved in a U.S. congressional hearing regarding the dangers of the herbicide glyphosate and how that impacts our health dramatically and, you know, trying to ban its use. And she's now studying the environmental impact of 5G and EMF on COVID-19 and has built a first genetic app of its kind regarding COVID-19. You can go find that and Sterling's work at mthfrsupport.com. Sterling, thank you so much for coming on the show. So I want to talk to you about your story. I mean, you have a very compelling story. You're a genetics expert. You and I have been talking about this, this virus since December, uh, you know, trying to speculate, what is it? Like, is this going to come to the United States? And we've, we've been watching it and, and just exchanging notes on it. And, um, you know, I, I just learned so much from you about uh, the genetic susceptibilities that people can have with uh, when it comes to COVID-19. And you created an app to help people also find out their genetic weaknesses and perhaps, you know, the severity of their symptoms they might have if they do contract COVID-19 and it can help guide supplementation. And we're going to talk about all of that today on the show, but why don't you tell us your story? I mean, with all this talk that we've had and exchanges, you ended up contracting COVID-19. So tell us about that. By the time I went and got tested, um, it came out negative, but um, I had four tubes, vials of blood taken and um, antibodies. So I was like kind of, whoa, you know, and I guess, you know, not everybody's going to go end up in a hospital laying down dying, right? As you were talking to me through it, you know, and you were, you know, listening to my symptoms, I was coughing one day, I'd feel a little feverish. And then the next day, I would be up like nothing was wrong, no coughing again. Then the next day coughing a little. One Friday, I decide to eat eat my lunch, dinner. After I got through eating, and I was still going through a little fever, cough, fever, cough, and feeling kind of fatigued. I ate my food. And after I ate my food, I was just sitting sitting there. And I, I was actually sitting at this desk right here. And I said, man, I feel my food kind of going all the way down, like something's wrong. I could feel it where it was in my body, and it was still going down. And the second it hit my small intestines, I went into a huge, huge sweat. And then I started feeling quite dizzy, like my head was buzzing, and went and checked my blood pressure. When I saw my blood pressure, I thought, oh my God, I'm dead. Uh, It was 248 over 123, and it was because the food hit my small intestines. And, you know, we have ACE2 receptors in our small intestines. So I said, you know, after getting back from the doctor and them x-raying and doing the blood work, doing the COVID swab, and then they had my paperwork saying, you know, suspected COVID or diagnosis COVID, because when they saw my bronchial pathway was really hugely inflamed, but my lungs looked great, but 
the bronchial pathway was hugely inflamed. So for several days, I fasted to just did broths and water. And I seemed to be great. Normal blood pressure, you know, all I've had things under control now. And um, to see that happen, it scared me because I'm thinking cytokine storm, cytokine storm with what's going on with this. And, you know, I had some friends and family members that did get this virus and they were very, you know, some of them were very mild, like what happened to me. And then others were, you know, a few others were very, very bad off. I was upset when I got the diagnosis because, you know, it's the fear of this thing. We can't let the fear feed us because a lot of us are going to get sick. A lot of us are going to be asymptomatic, you know, most likely because I showed up with antibodies. That probably means my whole family has antibodies. And the rest of the members in my home, they're happy and healthy and running around. You know, if I have the antibodies, I know they have they probably have them too. Yeah, and you're like a, a lot of people where you know you have health issues, you know that you have genetic issues going on, health struggles, and you you were terrified of contracting yeah, I was. Yeah, I was scared of it, so I was trying to protect myself. I had been doing, um, you know, started doing things like the cystus and canis every day, you know, a cup of rose petal tea. Now, when I um, saw what I saw when I got back from the doctor, after I had my lung x-rayed and the blood work done and everything, and I, even though I'm showing up antibodies, I'm still having the stomach issues. You remember, I was still having the stomach issues for quite a bit. And so I, that's when I, I had had my ferritin tested recently. So I do have that hemochromatosis gene, but my ferritin was 60. So I said, it's not going to hurt for me to push the button a bit. So on top of the food source C's, I was taking um, some high dosage ascorbic for a little bit with it. And I kind of pushed with hereditary hemochromatosis, pushed the button a little too much. Um, I unfortunately shot my ferritin up to 290. I'm going to get retested. Monday, um, I've been doing my little stinging nettle dandelion and wata and infotiamine to, you know, pull out that ferritin um, that I did with the vitamin C. But I was doing my loads of zinc. I was doing the melatonin. I was doing some of the colloidal silver. I was, what I would do, and this is why I think that my lungs look so nice. I had a feeling with all the coughing that was going on, hey, I might be having this COVID. So I um, took the, you know, wata here, and I put like a little, like eighth of a, dosage of the colloidal in. Um, I nebulize our hair and put the wata in it and we breathe it in two, three times a day. I want to uh, talk about all these supplements and why Sterling recommends them. And I've been doing that too. I have a little nebulizer here. It's just yeah. a little mask where you can breathe in the wata, colloidal silver and essential oils. I put thieves essential oils in this too. Yeah. So I can breathe that in to kill anything you might be exposed to. It's great for a lot of things, mold and bacteria yeah. and whatnot, um, not just viruses. But yeah, so you're like a, a lot of people that I, I've talked to that, you know, at some point since January have had flu or cold-like symptoms, but they weren't really that severe. 
So people weren't really thinking it was COVID or yeah. they got sick before COVID came into their awareness in the mainstream media. And, and some people that are getting this COVID, it just kind of hangs on, like they'll get symptoms, they'll be pretty bad and then they'll subside and they get symptoms again or they'll get different symptoms. And it's, uh, it just kind of seems to hang on and can be, can be a little bit of a roller coaster ride. Yeah, I'll tell you one symptom I had for about a week before I ended up getting the um, lung x-ray, the blood work on both elbow and fingertip and from knee to toe, I was having electrical buzzing. And I've heard a few people now mention that that was one of the um, things that they were having with it. But we know that this virus also, we have ACE2 receptors in the brain as well. So um, there could be some neurological issues as well. So let's talk about genetics. So you're a genetics expert and I've had so many conversations with you about you know, genetics and the, the current pandemic. And I think it's really important to have this conversation to help, to help people to understand like why some young people are more susceptible to uh, getting severe coronavirus illness, why some people are more prone to fatality. And because uh, a lot of people are questioning, like, why are all these young people getting sick? And there's a reason. It's not a mystery. Um, so let's talk about genetics and the role that they're playing in the severity and fatalities related to the COVID-19 infections. Yes, they are playing, um, genetics are playing a huge role in COVID-19. And throughout here, when you ask, you know, when we go through some of the questions, I'll talk specifically about certain genes. Iron regulation is huge. We notice that most of the people that are going on ventilators have iron regulation issues here, ferritin, um, thalassemia, Mediterranean fever, G6PD upregulation, hereditary hemochromatosis. You know, so it's, it's one of those things where there, it's, this is all very complex. There's lots of, you know, every day there's new studies coming out and there's new information coming out. And a lot of that is very slow to get onto the mainstream media that most people are watching. And that's why I just, I love talking to you about this. So let's, let's break down like each one of those, you know, how they're contributing to the severity of symptoms or the cytokine storms hospitalizations, people going on ventilators, and fatalities? Well, um, what I can first tell you about is, you know, there's, there's many genes, and we've heard about ACE2, you know, being a big deal, especially in males who get COVID-19. It seems to be impacting them much more. So um, I'll start with ACE2 gene. Yeah, but isn't, isn't that the... the you know, protein that the COVID-19 COVID infection attacks? Yeah. So, it, you know, following the docking of the SARS-CoV-2 onto the ACE2 receptors, mostly in the lungs, kidneys, and in the GI tract, and virus cell membrane fusion via another gene called TMP or SS2 and also furin, a cascade of enzymatic steps and subsequent immune system mobilization occurs. So once infected, the GI cells and lung cells are hijacked into making more viruses. So the immune system reacts by stepping up its response 
And this includes a robust elevation and pro-inflammatory cytokines, including interleukin-1-beta, early in the infection process. So can you tell us what the ACE2 protein is and, and how that's affected by COVID-19, how it's contributing to this, the, the respiratory distress that people are experiencing if they contract this illness? Yeah, we have a multitude of ACE2 receptors in different parts of the body, believe it or not. So actually COVID is not only attacking the lungs, but we have a lot of receptors in there. And this virus is able to attach to those receptors that you need in the lungs and then places like the small intestines and also the kidney and even the brain. We're seeing neurological impact here. When, when they're able to, when this virus is able to attach to those receptors and hold on, it just, it, I mean, it does crazy inflammation and damage throughout the whole body blood pressure regulation issues because we know ACE2 regulates blood pressure. So it could be quite dangerous and deadly. And that's where we're seeing people having strokes and heart attacks as well with this virus. Yeah. And that's why people, people with hypertension or high blood pressure are much more susceptible uh, Mm -hmm. to COVID for this reason. And it's a comorbidity where, you know, people are that, that have hypertension can have much more higher fatality rates, more yes. complication, blood, you know, scary blood pressure fluctuations and heart palpitations and things like that that people are reporting. So is this, this ACE2 genetic issue, is, is that why this is affecting more males and females, that why more males seem to be having severe complications and fatalities from COVID? Oh, most definitely. This gene is actually located on chromosome X. And when males are born, they only get one pair. Where we get a pair as females, they only get one of chromosome X because it's, it's a, located with the mother and the mother passes the chromosome X on to the male whereas the female gets chromosome X from father and mother. When women have it, they can either be clean and good on that one gene, you know, minus, minus, uh, negative for impairment, or they can be heterozygous or homozygous. With males, they either are totally cut off or they don't have a problem with it. So um, there's no in-between for them, like halfway working there. So there's more males with impairment there than females because of the, its location on chromosome X. Yes. Yeah. And I think this is a, such an important conversation to have to help people understand um, the, the differences in severity, why some people are affected and some aren't. And you have a genetics app that people can plug in their genetic information into and and find out their genetic weaknesses or susceptibility to COVID-19. So we're going to get to that in a second. But if you guys want to check that out, it's on mthfrsupport.com. So let's get to the next uh, gene. What is the next gene that would make someone susceptible to COVID-19? Well, furin, F-U-R-I-N. It is an enzyme encoded by the furin gene. Furin is a pro, 
proprotein convertase and acts to cleave sections of inactive proteins in order to activate them. The furin enzyme is highly expressed in the lungs and makes this virus highly transmissible. That's what makes this so easily transmissible of a virus, is that furin gene. So if you have more issues with your furin gene, or you're missing things like caprylic acid out of the body, that kind of calms and keeps the furin gene kind of calm and from epigenetically expressing. If you're missing that caprylic acid um, as well, it can make it more highly transmissible for you to um, pass on COVID to others and catch it easier yourself. Ah, interesting. And so what does the furin protein do exactly? So um, what it does is it helps to cleave sections of inactive proteins in the tissue. And um, if it's not doing what it really should be doing, um, it, it just the the COVID virus can just like attach to it, attach to it, and you know make it really viral in your lung tissue. Just it, replicate it a lot closer. faster. Replicate faster. Yeah. Okay, great. And so I've heard you talk a lot about uh, iron dysregulation hemochromatosis. And one of the things we know about this virus is that it's not, people aren't dying so much from acute respiratory distress. They're dying because oxygen can't uh, get in the red blood cells because mm -hmm. it's interfering with oxygen attaching to hemoglobin in the red blood cells. And we, we get this altitude sickness where the, the, the body and the organs are starved of oxygen and that's why people are dying. And so can you talk about that and how that relates to genetic iron dysregulation? I, I can give you a good example, G6PD. G6PD is another enzyme, and um, we do have um, populations that are more impaired, like here in the United States, 1 in 10 African-American males and 1 in 30 African-American females are most likely G6PD enzyme deficient. This is huge. Um, when somebody is, their G6PD enzyme is not working like it should, and they have impairment there, they're already going to have issues with heme and also iron regulation. And what's interesting, when you go look at what's happening to these COVID patients in their lung tissue, their, um, their electrons are spinning backwards on their oxygen molecule. And um, we see a lot more of them. They have, for instance, this G6PD enzyme deficiency that that's happening to. And that can, that can be very scary because the doctors are doing, you know, certain protocols that can actually be more harmful to them too in these hospitals and they don't realize it because they don't have the genetics out there like we do in alternative health community. Yeah, that, that's, that's one thing I like, I like that you brought that point up because that's one thing that's really concerning is that most medical doctors have zero genetics training or they don't incorporate that into their work or working with clients or helping to individualize 
treatments and avoid medications that they're genetically contraindicated for. And so that's something you need to be aware of as a, a patient is that you need to know your genetics um, so that you can take, take that information and avoid treatments that would be really harmful or fatal for you. Yeah, we, uh, I, I can give you another example, hereditary hemochromatosis, along with G6PD. And that's an issue I actually have. And megadoses of vitamin C can be potentially harmful to those two groups of people, the ascorbic acid. You know, they do more, they do better getting their C from food sources. And um, I myself have been in that situation where I took loads of ascorbic acid and just my ferritin went through the roof and it caused an epigenetic expression where I don't have the problem all the time until I push the button with a certain nutrient. So it, you know, so these people that are getting IV vitamin C, that it's life-saving for them. If you have somebody who has hereditary hemochromatosis epigenetically expressing or somebody with G6PD deficiency in epigenetic expression, yes, it can be very harmful to, for them. It can actually cause the opposite to them instead of being an antioxidant effect, a pro-oxidant effect, and put them into a cytokine storm. Yeah, and so let's talk about uh, what is a cytokine storm. And just to preface that, people that have, if they... Um, if they have iron regulation issues or hemochromatosis, they're much more likely to suffer uh, really strong, even fatal cytokine storms in the lungs and throughout the body, which is like an immune overreaction. But let, let's talk, what exactly is a cytokine storm for anyone who doesn't know what that is? All right. Well, um, it's where um, a lot of your um, genes, um, well, a lot of different genes will turn on, and I'll kind of give you another example of one that is turning on in some, some people, and another one is called NLRP3, when these people are missing nitric oxide or even, um, or even melatonin, um, and NLRP3 gene is um, missing either one of those nutrients and this virus comes in, what it can do is um, go into an inflammatory response and then turn on other genes like interleukin-1-beta, interleukin-18, interleukin-6, tumor necrosis factor. And when these genes turn on, they're, they're like yelling, oh my gosh, there's this foreign invader in here. We've got to get it out. We've got to get it out. And you know, the body goes into this hyperimmune response, blood pressure goes up, pulse rate goes up, you know, your body is just screaming, get this virus out of me, and it's trying to do the right thing, but everything turns on at once, and the body goes into complete shock and just starts shutting down. Yeah, and that's where we see people developing pneumonia, fluid filling in the lungs, this, yeah. you know, coughing and all of these symptoms, these symptoms are caused by the cytokines. They're not oh. being caused by the disease so much. They're being caused by these, this immune system response, this release of these cytokines. Yeah, they are. And it's scary because um, we have where 
I've heard 5% of the patients being hospitalized were coughing up blood. That's cytokine storm will do that. And um, any other symptoms of cytokine storms that you could just help to illustrate what that looks like? All right. Let's say you are sick and you're suspected of having COVID. One of the best things you could do is get a pulse oximeter. And, you know, if you start seeing your oxygen go below, let's say start sliding in the lower 90s, there could be a problem happening right then and there. And then you see that pulse rate over 100 and you're sitting there in a resting state because you're sick, sick and tired. Your body's going into a cytokine storm. And not all people go into the deadly where the oxygen just drops real low and, and the pulse rate goes up real super high. Some people just might sit there with their oxygen at 93 and their pulse at 115, which is pretty dangerous. That's, a, I would say, more of a mini cytokine storm, but it can turn into something very much worse. So it would be really important then to be able to get medical help. Yeah, and I, I love that you brought up the, the oximeter because you can get those at Amazon or I believe at just most drugstores even. Uh, they're very commonly available. They're inexpensive. And those can be a, you know, a, a sign before you're even having symptoms, any of the typical symptoms that people are reading about or reporting, that the, the oximeter can give you a clue to low oxygen levels and before you even present with any of their symptoms going to be really life-saving because I think it's really important to get seek out help before you develop really severe symptoms. When you get to a certain point, it's much difficult to bring you back or to start reversing the, the symptoms and the illness. Let's go more into to iron. So can you talk a little bit about the genes that, that are problematic as far as iron and what people need to know regarding that, because we know that the COVID-19 interferes in, in oxygen um, it getting into the red blood cell and then the red blood cell transporting that oxygen to the body. So what's going on there? You know, there's, there's quite a few things. One with G6PD iron regulation, um, most of the people with, that are in an enzyme deficiency with G6PD um, what, what's happening there is their vitamin C, their Krebs cycle will start spinning backwards. So that ascorbic acid coming into them instead of antioxidant becomes prooxidant. So then the cells start starving there as well. And, um, then, you know, the heme starts leaching out the, the, um, the iron starts leaching out the red blood cells start exploding and can be highly volatile and dangerous. Wow, that's, so, that's pretty amazing. Like the vitamin C that's being touted all over the internet is mm -hmm. really, really problematic for some people with certain genetic predispositions. And, and so and what, are, what are the other, the specific genes for iron or hemochromatosis that people want to be aware of? Say if they have their own little genetics report and they, they want to look those up. Yeah, um, of course, hereditary hemochromatosis, um, the gene is called HFE, and there are three particular 
SNP singular nucleotide polymorphisms. And one is the C282Y mutation. That's the number one, the number one one. And then number two running right behind it is H63D. And then number three running behind it is S65C. And these three genes, these three um, SNPs on this hereditary hemochromatosis gene um, are very, very problematic. They're more problematic for males. So here we go again, males. Um, women um, with this gene, when they're in their monthly cycle, they usually bleed out their excess iron that they're absorbing. So these people are super absorbers of iron too. Um, and um, so the extra load will start kind of filling up in the liver. And when that ferritin gets a little too high, um, it can start doing organ damage. And that's when you, um, and also cause cytokine storms. Um, these people usually, when they're at that point, they have a lot of health issues. They usually have things like lung co-infections showing up as well. And then their red blood cells, um, like people with G6PD, start exploding. So garbic acid coming into them when they're absorbing way too much iron and it's not making it where it should and it's building up in the organs like the liver and the lungs. It's quite damaging. The vitamin C, the ascorbic form, can be damaging for them only when they're expressing, when they do or showing that it is an um, epigenetic expression. And so should those people be doing food-based vitamin C or no vitamin C? Um, no, you have to have vitamin C. And sometimes low, low doses can be okay for some of them. It's depending on what their doctor's seeing as they're doing their labs. I myself have it, so I can kind of say there are times I do take ascorbic acid, but before I want to go start taking a bit of ascorbic acid, what I'll do is go get lab work with ferritin included to see where my ferritin levels are, to see if I'm going to be able to use that vitamin C for detox. And then after I'm done, I also go do a retest because I might start getting it a little too high. And then I'll know to stop um, because it's so important. But um, just for daily use, um, when I'm not doing it, you know, for something serious going on, what I'll do is uh, I'll make sure I never have more than 500 milligrams of ascorbic acid daily, as long as my ferritin's in range. And I will go more with the food bases. I'll, the food bases like amla, also um, rose petal is a high pH source C. It's the highest pH source C out there. Um, and I'll make sure that I'm not, when I, when I go grab that rose petal tea or, you know, a little bit of amla in my water, I'll make sure that I'm not going to eat any iron-rich foods within an hour or two of me consuming it either. Because that even the food sources will help, help me absorb even more in having a hereditary hemochromatosis SNP um, that is related to this issue. It's not a good idea to mix your iron-rich foods with your vitamin C-rich foods. Good tip. Absorbing problem. Yeah, and you have a, a brilliant 
super simple way to bring down iron, iron levels. So say someone gets sick with COVID, say they start having a cytokine storm, they know they have iron issues or they're iron toxic, what have you. What is your tip for bringing your, that, that tea that you talked about um, with, with me? What is that, that little tip for bringing down your iron levels yeah. really fast? Now, for the G6PD people, I never ever tell them vitamins because vitamins can be dangerous for a G6PD deficient person. They have to get all their nutrients basically food-wise. Um, so I usually tell them a little wata by aquanu.com um, and also um, a little stinging nettle with dandelion infused in the same teacup. Um, can help draw it out too, and the Wata can get it going back in the red blood cell where it belongs. And people have excellent results that way. Now with the hereditary hemochromatosis, I also recommend those three things, the stinging nettle, dandelion infused in the same cup, and then some Wata and vitamin B1. Yeah, or like benfetiamine. Mm -hmm. good yeah, pinfotiamine, alathiamine. Yes, yes. And so the Wata that you're talking about is, um, I'll just, uh, I am a huge fan of this also. The, it's called Wata. It's in plastic because this is a high electron, highly charged water. And if you put it in glass, it, it destroys the charge on it, which defeats the purpose. So it's in, it's in plastic. But um, yeah, you can get this on aquanew.com. Uh, we don't receive any money from, from this company or anything. It's just, uh, this is a phenomenal product. And so I want to talk a little about that because we know that, because uh, I, I personally believe, and you you introduced me to this, that this WATA, especially in the current environment, can be life-saving um, because one thing that this virus does is starves your body of oxygen. And uh, so talk about why this water can dramatically help with that type of situation yeah really important well if you look at what you know when you read on the bo bottle it's a polarity water and talking about these people with g6pd and hereditary hemochromatosis they end up with reverse polarity too and this is your electron water your it, it polarizes you it actually polarizes you and the Wata itself, with the electrons that it provides to the body, it can start helping the electrons spin properly around the oxygen molecule. And the minute, the second it hits your mouth and you swallow it, you oxygenate every cell in your body. You feel so, it too. You, you yeah, they it. use it for altitude sickness. Um, um, skydivers do. They, they have a skydiver that jumps 22,000 feet without oxygen, he holds the world's record. Nobody can go over 10,000 feet without oxygen, except for him, because he drinks a liter of this at last three and a half hours in his system up at that altitude, and he doesn't need oxygen. He jumps from 22,000 feet. So we're hearing altitude sickness, right, with this virus, and this water's great. It oxygenates every cell in your body. It, it provides hydrogen and redox to the cells. And unlike other redox products that only add in the redox, 
This is actually the electron, the fifth phase of water, and that provides the electrons to the cell that hydrates every single cell in your body. So unlike other redox products that, you know, you can bring in the redox, but you might not be able to pull out the reactive oxygen species. With this, since it hydrates every cell, you are going to be able to, you know, have the redox in your cell that makes the reactive oxygen species that you need to release, and it's going to be able to release because it hydrates the cell at the same time. Yeah, I mean, when I when I first learned about this water, um, you know, I've been drinking it for about a year, and when I first learned about the, this virus and and just how it works and the mechanisms in the body, I ordered forty cases of it because. You know, uh, I just wanted to make sure I had enough or in case the post stopped or, you know, a lot of people were panic buying and I, I panic bought Wata. <laughs> but, you know, it's one of those things, if your body is being starved of oxygen, mm-hmm. you have to flood your body with oxygen. But what if you can't get to a hospital in time? What if you have someone that's resistant to going to a hospital or a treatment or they're scared to go to a hospital because they're worried. they don't know if they have an infection or not or COVID, but they don't want to go there and take the chance of maybe then contracting it. Um, so there's a, there's just a lot of, um, a lot of factors involved with uh, a lot of complications involved with going to a hospital to get the oxygen that you need to save your life. If you do contract COVID-19. And so for me, this is something that I, I, I bought um, just for, for not only for the oxygen levels, but just for health in general. It gets your body working better and charged up correctly and protects you on so many levels. But enough about that. So let's go back to um, the genes. And so what is the next gene we want to be looking at that could uh, we need to know about if we are susceptible or have a weakness to COVID-19? Another gene that I kind of want to talk about here is um, the COX-2 enzyme because we've heard a lot of doctors saying that they saw that um, a lot of people that were dying um, had just taken taken NSAIDs, something like ibuprofen or Motrin. Or Advil. And, yeah, and this has been being tagged. So this, what this COX-2 enzyme does is it takes arachidonic acid and converts it into something called prostaglandin 2. And the COX-2 gene is involved in fever, pain, and antibody production. So NSAIDs are known as the COX-2 inhibitors, and they can reduce fever and pain when they are used. What it can also do is halt antibody production. So antibodies are made by your B cells. And these antibodies go into the blood and attack the viruses like COVID-19. So what we were questioning is maybe are the enzymes slowing down the antibody production to attack COVID-19 maybe. So this could be, you know, a high risk, something that's high risk and why reports are coming out that some of these doctors on the front lines are correlating NSAIDs and they may be injuring people affected with COVID-19. So the oldest NSAID out there is aspirin. And during the 1918 Spanish flu, aspirin was used at at very high doses and caused toxicity and was found to kill up to 3% of those with the 1918 Spanish flu. 
Mm. So it, it has been found that salicylates, which are COX-2 inhibitors, increase lung fluid and protein levels and impair mucociliary clearance out of the lung. So another theory I have is that ACE2 receptors are abundant in the kidneys, and that is where insects are cleared. So could this also be a reason why? Could, could we be seeing toxicity once the ACE2 receptors lure and attack, and the virus attaches itself to the copy instead of the actual cell? So once ACE2 has COVID-19 in the kidney, could this be the reason for the toxicity in the reports that doctors are seeing with those on non-steroidal anti-inflammatories in COVID-19? So there's kind of two suspect things going on there. So this is why I put this COX-2, prostaglandin-2 gene out on my report on the secondary for COVID as well. Yeah, and that's so important to note because when people get this virus, and they start getting like it, I heard it is just excruciating for some people. It's really painful. They get a very high fever. The first thing people are going to reach for is some Advil or some aspirin or some Motrin to reduce the fever and reduce the pain. And it, it's what are you? What do you suggest instead? Because that you don't want to be reaching for those things right now. Well, um, you know, fever makes a virus last not as long so um, you know if you can handle the fever that's good but let's say it's getting way way too high you know kind of do what they did in the um, old days try to get in that tub of water uh, you know that's kind of cooling if you can or you know just put cold rags on you one one go-to for me that helps break my fever is chamomile tea believe it or not it's a pretty good anti-inflammatory um, then there's what there's um, a homeopathy called feverfew that um, some people also use because Tylenol can be so hard on the liver, acetaminophen can be very, very hard on the liver and, you know, stop your production of glutathione, which of course you don't want to slow down production of glutathione, especially when your body's fighting something like this. Yeah, you need all the glutathione you can get to, oh, yes. to deal with everything that's thrown at you with this virus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we know that also in the liver, the virus is processed through the liver. And so uh, we have to have really good, good, strong livers, lots of glutathione when dealing with this. Um, so any other genes that you want to mention? We have a couple of other genes on there that um, we will be adding and investigating. So this app is ongoing and we have free upgrades. I'm working on Mediterranean fever genes and thalassemia genes next and once i know more about them i'll um have write-ups on my website i have a um, entire COVID 19 tab that people can go directly to and read a lot of my notes that i have on these genes at the moment fantastic and let's talk about the app um, i think this is so exciting because people they they need to know their genetics for so many reasons uh, to kind of guide their supplementation, what they should and shouldn't do, medications, um, just lifestyle, diet. There's just so many different things. But, but in today's environment with this virus probably going to be around for, you know, another 18 months or so till it runs its course, it's good to know your genetic susceptibilities and weaknesses to COVID-19. So, so what is the name of the app? And, and how do people 
you know, run their genetics through it and get this information? Well, they can um, go um, and get their raw data from, I, I prefer Ancestry DNA um, because they don't share with third parties, but I always tell people to be safe anyway. Use a false name, you know, go buy you a little um, throwaway gift card at the store and use it. Um, I just I always want people to be safe. Yeah. And run run your genetics through something like Ancestry DNA, which I prefer that one. Yeah, and and I, I just want to elaborate on that a second because we know that 23andMe.com is they have uh, they're partnering with some pharmaceutical companies to give them genetic information, and and uh, I mean we certainly hope it's confidential, but just in case, um, maybe go with the route that you mentioned. Yeah, I'll, yeah, that's why I, I pushed that. But, you know, 23andMe is compatible with my app as well. People do put it through. And I, I just don't, I, I, I don't care too much for their practices. So, and, but even if you go that route and use them, please use, use a false name. Um, go, go buy a gift card with it. Use one of your junk email accounts because, um, you know, you always want to be able to get into it and access it. You know, especially if you're doing this on your loved ones, you know, they, I have people, they use, they, they use their favorite actors and actresses as their names, Sophia Loren, you know, or whatever they do, Jane Doe. So I feel that's really important. But when you run it through my app, you'll get different, the COVID-19 app, that's what it's called. And you'll get what we know, primary, the ones that we know that definitely have peer review research. And then you'll get a section called secondary. Now, um, actually, it looks like I'm going to be bringing the hereditary hemochromatosis genes and the G6PD genes that I have on there and moving them up in primary now that we know the data is coming out with the iron regulation issues. But you'll see that I'll also have things under secondary, and the secondary section is what I suspect. And um, from the day I put out this COVID-19 app, I suspected iron regulation issues before they were even putting the peer review out there on it. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've, I've been talking to you from, from day one since December about this. Like, what's going on and, the, you know, how is this affecting the body? We've had so many amazing yeah. conversations about it. And you're such a wealth of knowledge. I, I really feel like you're a savant when it comes to <laughs> genetics. And that's why I wanted to have you talk about this. It's so important. You're not getting this information anywhere really and and even if you are it can be kind of hard to decipher some of the articles and research on it so we're trying to simplify it as much as possible here um so 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 when someone goes to get their genetics um it's usually done through it's through saliva you have to order the kit it takes about six weeks for the results to come back when you get those results then you run it through this app and this app is really inexpensive so how much does it cost $15. $15 to know your genetic susceptibilities is, is just amazing. And, and I love that you're doing this work because I, I, you feel that you know, you're such an advocate for genetics and people knowing their genetics, especially if they have a, a lot of different diagnoses or mystery illness or just where people have been you know, going through that revolving door of mainstream medicine and not getting help, people really need to take that power back into their own hands and be their own uh, health advocate. You, you need to know your genetics. And, and you have another app too, you have Sterling's app, where you have a, a very, very comprehensive 
a report, a 50-page report plus uh, for people. They can run the, their genetics through that app as well to get a more in-depth look at their genes. And so, so someone, they say they get this, for, this report and they're not 100% sure what it means or how to act on it, the practical applications. Um, so who can they contact to help them interpret it? Okay, well, we've got um, Cynthia Smith at NutrigenomicsWellness.com. She actually has co-researched all this stuff with me. She's a big contributor of this app as well. And genius, genius. She's a wonderful lady to work with. She understands it very well. She's been with me for about eight years um, studying nutrigenomics and epigenetics. She's a clinical nutritionist, um, very brilliant woman. Um, she can help you interpret. And then we also have Megan Hurley at snowdropherbals.com. She understands how to interpret this and kind of look and tell you where you might want to back down on certain nutrients or add other nutrients when she sees what she sees on there. And then we have Dr. Tim Jackson, and he's learning right now from me. He's taking uh, some courses with me right now to help others too. Yeah, and you, and you have other people on your website as well on mthfrsupport.com. Yeah. There's a tab on there, find a practitioner, I believe, mm -hmm. where you can find, find people. And so can you talk about some nutraceuticals or supplements um, that can help people strengthen their immunity you know, when it comes to their genetics and COVID-19? Oh, yes. Let's say NLRP3 gene, you know, especially um, those people out there that have high inflammation and suspect that they may have NLRP3 epigenetically expressing. That was, those would be people with anti-nuclear antibodies, things like lupus and stuff. You, you want to be careful with melatonin. Melatonin is huge for this virus you want to keep that NLRP3 gene suppressed. Melatonin's huge. I love following Doris Lowe's work, LOH, on the amounts of melatonin and vitamin C to take to suppress NLRP3 to prevent those interleukin genes from turning on and causing the cytokine storm. So melatonin is very huge one here. Tart cherry juice is loaded with melatonin too. That's another good way to get melatonin in you. So melatonin is very, very important. And, you know, environmentally, microwave radiation, 5G, and peer, much peer review research has shown that it disrupts our melatonin. Um, it also disrupts our sleep patterns where we make melatonin mostly between 2 and 3 a.m. We really shouldn't have blue light on either. Um, those are some env environmental factors where, you know, we lose melatonin or if we're working the night shift at night and we're up when we're supposed to be making most of our melatonin or we're not going out in the sun, right? Um, that, can, that can be detrimental. And, and then melatonin in supplements, that's where some people could, if they're working the night shift and they know that and they're not going out in the sun because they're sleeping during the day, they might want to start taking some melatonin as long as it's not contradicted with any autoimmune diseases they have going on or diabetes. Also, liquid melatonin um, can hit people a little bit faster than, you know, the capsule, the um, gel caps or 
just doing a plain liquid um, with some liposomal, you know, in it, a liposomal liquid melatonin. And then tart cherry, a cup or two a day, maybe, and you don't have blood sugar issues um, because of all the sugar content in it either. This tart cherry is loaded with melatonin. And what this can do for you with this virus is um, it, it, again, the NLRP3 gene, you don't want it coming out of its cage because it's going to start turning on all these interleukin genes. So it is a sensor component, okay, of NLRP3 inflammasome. And it plays a crucial role in that innate immunity. It's your first line of immune defense against non-self pathogens such as the SARS-CoV-2 and also inflammation. And it regulates the secretion of pro-inflammatory cytokines, interleukin-1 beta and interleukin-18. So that's like extremely important to know that you can just, with melatonin in your body, prevent a cytokine storm. You could potentially prevent a cytokine storm. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, I want to talk to a, a second about how I, I, I give all of my clients melatonin uh, because mm -hmm. it's so many people are deficient in it. They're going to bed too late. They're watching their cell phones and televisions and computer. That blue light is reducing oh, yeah. melatonin production, all the EMF frequencies from our cell phones and computers and wireless internet and our neighbor's wireless internet and the, the 5G towers that somehow magically sprouted up overnight when we were all in lockdown. Um, all of those, also those frequencies irritate your, your body and reduce melatonin production. And so it makes people sitting ducks for COVID-19. So it, it's really important to supplement with that in my personal opinion, too. It's absolutely huge. You know, it, it, it played a part of me getting better just recently healing. So it's huge. Yeah. And so let's talk about nitric oxide. So you, you mentioned that earlier. Um, what role does that play and how, that, how can that help uh, with people's immunity to COVID-19? Again, nitric oxide plays a role in keeping this NLRP3 gene from coming out of the cage and start you know, turning on all these interleukin genes, this, um, this inflammatory cytokine response. Um, so really important to have good levels of nitric oxide in you. You know, things like celery, butter lettuce, um, arugula, spinach, and beets are loaded with nitric oxide. And also, you know, if you have trouble sleeping with your mouth closed at night, a lot of doctors, especially in holistic medicine and integrative medicine, they'll tell you to put a breathe right strip over your nose and put some paper tape over your mouth because you're going to endogenously make it at night as long as you have your mouth closed and you're breathing through your nose. This is so important. And also to know that you need arginine to be able to synthesize in the body for nitric oxide synthase. And if you are missing the amino acid lysine, arginine is just going to get stuck there. And it's not going to, you know, the process, you're going to have the nitric oxide there, but it's not going to synthesize because you need that arginine working. So it's important to know that, hey, a little lysine can't hurt. That's why lysine is a potent antiviral. It's because it helps to 
get arginine moving and nitric oxide synthase to work so genes like NLRP3 don't come out the cage and then turn on all your interleukin genes and cause the cytokine storm. Okay, great, great. Any other supplements that you, you recommend? Yeah, um, let's say you don't have um, hereditary hemochromatosis or, or um, G6PD deficiency. Yeah, um, high doses of vitamin C, you know, always speak with your doctor, but um, high doses of vitamin C can really help your body hear all the antioxidant effect it has in here and get this virus gone sooner and protect your, help you protect your cells from all the foreign invaders in the cell with those antioxidants protecting the cell. And then again, if you do have these iron regulation issues, you know, go with food sources, ones that resonate with you. Amla, Camu Camu, rose petals, rose hips. And then another powerful antioxidant that protects the cells that I really like is cystis. Cystis is great at protecting the cells and it's a lot harder when you have these antioxidants in your body, it's a lot harder for those RNA viruses like this one we're dealing with now to be able to penetrate the cell wall and replicate as much. So that, you know, that that's where I saw where some people are just asymptomatic and these other people are just, whoo, dying is, hey, I knew what was going on there. Those people that are doing well and asymptomatic, they probably have, they don't have cell wall permeability issues. They probably have a lot of good antioxidants in their body and um, their cells are much more protected. Also, people who can fast, you know, just fasting for three days will turn on ancient genes in your body that will protect your healthy cells. Yeah, I need to get around to doing that. I don't like missing a meal, uh, but yeah, but when you can really, really just, you know, super turn on your immune system by doing a fast. I mean, we, this is well established yeah. in the research and I'm definitely drinking the, the cystus and canis tea. I've heard it, it needs to be that specific strain uh, to really be effective. And uh, so I do the cystus in canis tea. You can get it on Amazon. I like, I do the BioPure one, uh, but I've been drinking that every day also as a preventative. Um, any other supplements that you, you really like and recommend? Yeah. One more. I really want to talk about zinc. Yeah. Guys, zinc, really important. And here we go again with the um, G6PD deficient people. A lot of the reasons that they're putting up the drug hydroxychloroquine is because they know it'll push zinc into the cell wall. There's other ways that you can push zinc into the cell wall. Well, angstrom has an ionic zinc that gets into the cell wall. So I would, uh, I would be able to you know, G6PD deficient people don't do well with any of these drugs with the word Q-U-I-N in it. But now for everybody else, okay, you know, there's other things that push zinc into a cell wall besides, besides these drugs that they're pushing. We know that tonic water, you can get a good safe tonic water. There's one out there called Q that I hear is a pretty good tonic water. And tonic water can help 
push zinc into the cell wall when you're taking it. Also, there's quercetin. Now, the only time I really tell people to be t careful with quercetin is when they have problems metabolizing dopamine. So those people who are homozygous for COMT158M, um, V158M and H62H, yeah, um, they may not be able to do too much quercetin, but um, a lot of other people can take quercetin and help push zinc into the cell wall with it. And then we've got tonic water. And then we've got ionic zincs out there like Angstrom's ionic zinc. Can you get enough uh, quercetin and bee pollen? Probably so. Um, I, I would think so. Bee pollen is just so, so rich. But, you know, this is too uh, kind of scary virus for some that don't have good cell wall permeability. But um, I would think that you could get quite a bit and enough from bee pollen. It's so potent and rich. Okay, great. And so just to recap, so you mentioned that people with G6PD deficiency are probably not candidates for taking the, the drug, the hydroxychloroquine, um, because that, that quine, the Q-U-I-N in that drug, it's not going to work for them. They can have Well, they say it is safe for them, but they just came out with the study miraculously what, about a few months ago that this one's going to be safe for them. But I go and dig up all the old research. In 2019, it said it wasn't safe for them. And in 2018, and they actually have a mother that um, petitioned the CDC, who and NIH, to demand G6PD testing before they give, give people this drug, because apparently it hurt a child of hers, this drug. Yeah, and th these are the people that can have this uh, genetic issue can have complications with that drug. So you just want to use it with caution because there, you know, there's, you know, all drugs have their contraindications. And so this is one you just want to be on high alert for just in case. So any other supplements that, uh, that you recommend? Yes. You know, um, I would say you don't want to be around supplements right now that kind of push the immune system too fast. You know, like we've been being told, you know, things like turmeric may not be so hot if you have this virus and you take it, you might put yourself in a cytokine storm faster. You know, there's, um, you know, because if your body's already going into that fight or flight response because the virus is in there, that could be potentially dangerous. Um, so you want more of things that can kind of bring down and stay, not bring lower the immune system, not kind of crazily raise it, but kind of stabilize, like stabilize that immune system, keep it calm. So one, one, another really good one I like is food grade frankincense hajari. Mm. Just a little bit under the tongue can hit real fast to kind of calm down the cytokine storm. And then astragalus is another good one that can help um, calm down cytokine storms pretty fast too. Right. Yeah, and the frankincense is an essential oil. I'm a huge fan of essential oils also. Uh, what about CBD? Do you like CBD? Yeah, I do like CBD. I haven't tried it um, with this virus. I haven't read too much about it with this virus, but I know that Judy Mikovic said, I have read where she has said, and if she says it, she knows what she's talking about. We need those cannabinoids in the brain moving and working right now to be healthy with, you know, and be able to 
scare off this virus fast. Um, so she's always swears by a healthy endocannabinoid system in the brain. I do I, three times a week. I just go up to my shelf and I've got my pain blend CBD when I'm, you know, a little sore, whatever, because of past injuries. And I just grab a big thing of it and just put it right under my tongue. I love my CBD. Yeah, I, yeah I'm taking my CBD every day. Yeah. And you know, you, for, for most people, you want to take full spectrum CBD and, and that's what I would reach for if I was, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I've been taking it to boost my immunity because it's supposedly boosting all the different macrophages in, mm -hmm. over your entire body. And, and also if you're ever in pain or, or whatnot, CBD is amazing for that as well. So I, I really love it. Um, so Sterling, you know, I think that's, I think we've covered it. We covered a lot of ground Mm -hmm. um, in this interview. And I thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing your story and, uh, you know, sharing your uh, kind of all the research that you've done on this, just this exhaustive research to create your, your COVID-19 app. So again, tell us where we can, uh, you know, plug our genetic data into this app and learn more about your work. At MTHFR support com. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to the Myers Detox podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in every week and uh, supporting my work. And I just love teaching you guys about, you know, how to improve your health and the latest cutting edge techniques and tools to help you meet your health goals. And I love talking about genetics, especially in relation to COVID-19 right now and, and helping you guys try to kind of figure out this whole puzzle as it unfolds. So thanks for tuning in and I will talk to you guys next week. I am Wendy Myers of MyersDetox.com.